And as I said earlier, we're beginning a new series for the month of June entitled, um, What About the Kids? We're breaking ground on our new building this month. It's been in the works for five years. Uh, space for kids, adults, a full-service kitchen. Um, COVID interrupted how we did church for a little while, and with the vaccine and dropping case numbers, we see people re-engaging here at TFRC. We see momentum in our ministry as the fear of the virus subsides, and we see God's hand in the timing of so many things, including the breaking ground of this new building. Um, when it comes to faith in Jesus, kids are vital. Uh, we invest a lot here at TFRC when it comes to kids, whether it's children's ministry or youth ministry. Uh, we have four staff members dedicated to children and youth, um, over 100 volunteers who work with children and youth here at TFRC. This summer alone, we're going to send over 140 kids and youth um, to a Christian summer camp. Uh, we have a preschool daycare after school program that includes an additional 20 staff, and we have over 130 kids enrolled in the daycare and after school program this summer. Uh, VBS is coming in July, and we are expecting somewhere in the neighborhood of 300 kids uh, to come to that. Uh, any given week, we'll have 80 to 90 middle school and high school students come to youth group. Uh, kids matter here at TFRC, and childlike faith matters here at TFRC. In this series, we will see how God, how the Bible values the faith of children. And often, the Bible uses the faith of children to teach the rest of us what faith is supposed to look like. Scripture this morning comes from Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 to 6. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there now, or if you want to turn there on your phones. Uh, Matthew is the first book in the New Testament. Um, and right before what we're about to read in Matthew 18, Jesus had just explained, he finished explaining um, to his disciples his unique status in relationship to God. And like any good ambitious person, the disciples begin positioning themselves to see who can be the greatest in the kingdom. Um, our scripture reader this morning is Jillian View. So Jillian, you can go ahead and make your way on up to the podium. As she does, I'm going to invite, if you're able, to please stand and face the center of the room. And we uh, stand because we believe that this is the Word of God. And so Jillian, whenever you are ready, please read from Matthew 18, verses 1 to 6. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. If anyone causes one of these little ones those who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large milestone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Jillian, great job. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, kids, kids are amazing. They are simply amazing. They have so much energy. They are so curious. They can easily be made to laugh or cry. Um, they know how to have fun. Uh, they learn really quickly. Uh, they tend to assume the best in people, which is why it's so cruel when uh, 
others intentionally hurt them. Now, not all of us are kid people, okay? They do take an amazing amount of patience, um, and, but whether you're a kid person or not, you kind of have to admit that kids are amazing. Kids can teach us a lot. Kids can teach us a lot. If you want to learn how to pay, be a parent, have a kid. If you want to learn how to be a referee, have two or three kids. Um, if you want to learn courage, change a diaper after a kid has had a major blowout, okay? If you want to learn to be more creative, try to get a young child to eat vegetables. If you want to learn how to get a child's attention, you know, just sit down and look comfortable. They'll bother you. Um, you want to learn patience. Let your kids get ready for school all by themselves. Um, you want to learn how to ask deep philosophical questions? How is it that kids can so quickly learn how to drive a car but can never figure out the lawnmower or the vacuum cleaner? What is that all about, okay? Kids can teach us a lot. And when it comes to the kingdom of heaven, Jesus doesn't just say kids can teach us about the kingdom. Jesus says kids represent things of the kingdom. There are certain eternal truths, fundamental understandings about who God is and what God values that you can only learn from children. Now, as a grown adult, that sounds a little naive because us adults, we know from experience that there are things that children need to learn from us. And if we don't teach them certain things, they are not going to make it in the world. Jesus isn't really interested about us making it in the world. Jesus wants us to make it in the kingdom. And the kingdom... Um, in the kingdom of heaven, children represents how that works. In the kingdom of heaven, children represent the greatest. Going back to the passage, the first three verses that we just heard. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called the little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That is not an innocent question. That is a loaded question. Behind that question is, I want to be the greatest in the kingdom. How do I do that? Now, for us, that's kind of a legitimate question. What does it take to be the best? You know, if you want something, don't expect anyone just to give it to you. Uh, if you want to be the best, be ready to work for it. Be ready to sacrifice for it. Do you have what it takes to be the greatest? For us, that's a really good question. But the irony of the question, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, what's ironic about that is that is a question about the kingdom of heaven asked from a worldly point of view. I want to be the greatest for all eternity. How do I do that? Now, ambition, hard work, achievement, there's nothing wrong with those things. But those aren't quite the same priorities in the kingdom. The disciples asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Well, they didn't know. That's why they asked. Well, let's ask a different question, a question that mm, we know the answer to. Who is the greatest, not in the kingdom of heaven, who's the greatest in the world? 
Who's the greatest in the world? That's really not a hard question at all. The greatest in the world are the rich, the powerful, the wise, and the educated, the successful, those who have achieved the most. They are the greatest in the world. The ability to perform, to get things done, that is what we value the most. And again, on one level, nothing wrong with that. We rank people based upon various values, these values I just named. I talked about rankings last week, scales of 1 to 10. We take ranking very seriously. What's your income level, educational level? What have you accomplished? You can clearly see this in sports, beginning in high school. We ask high school athletes, um, did you win conference? How'd you do in districts? Did you make it to state? Hey, are you going to play in college? Did you sign anywhere? And if a high school athlete signs at a community college, that's really good. But if a high school athlete signs at a D1 school, well, now that's something else entirely. It's all about ranking. How high can you go? Jesus is asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom? And Jesus calls a little child probably one who's just learned to walk. You want to be the greatest? Become like this child. And some of us will say, well, you know, that makes sense because children, that represents potential. No, no, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not talking about this child's potential. He's pointing out that this little child has accomplished nothing. The little child isn't rich, the little child isn't powerful, the little child isn't wise or educated. Little children are not looked up to. Little children are looked after. In verse 4, Jesus is going to refer to this child as a lowly child. They do not hold any status at all. And Jesus says, become like the one who has no status. In other words, if you want to be the greatest in the kingdom, don't try to be the greatest. Try to become the least. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, he called the disciples together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. We become the greatest by becoming servants. For us adults, that's hard to accept. For little kids, like little little kids, they'll believe it. Why? Their whole existence is one of dependence. And whoever is the one they are dependent on and tells them what to do, well, that's most likely what they're going to do. I know not all the time, but most likely that's what they're going to do. Why is it that kids so often become like their parents? Because it's only natural to become like the one who takes care of you, and kids are dependent on their parents for more than they realize. God says, I will take care of you. Now go and be a servant, just like I'm a servant. And if we are God's children, and if we are dependent upon God, we will do it just like a little child. 
Kids represent the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, not because of their great potential, but because of their lowly position. Now, in the kingdom, children represent the greatest. Children also represent the goal, the goal of the kingdom. As it says in verse 4, if you go back to the passage briefly, where it says, Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever takes the lowly position. Whoever takes. Whoever. The kingdom of heaven is the great equalizer. You can be rich or poor. You can be smart or not so smart. Uh, You can be young or chronologically gifted. You can be athletic or clumsy. You can be a success or a failure. You can be healthy. You can be sick. As I said last week, things like race and class and gender don't come into play. Whoever. Whoever takes the lowly position of this child, which again means you become the servant. Whoever becomes the servant, you become the least. That is what God values. God is not impressed with the things we are impressed with. Do you really think God would ever say, wow, look at all the things, all the stuff you've acquired? Um, You think God's impressed by that? God owns everything, right? Wow, look at how many degrees you have. You think God's impressed by that? God knows everything. Um, Wow, look at everything you accomplished. You think God's impressed by that? Um, God created everything. You take the lowly position of a child. You're the greatest in the kingdom. God is interested in that. That doesn't just take faith. It takes childlike faith. As Jesus said in Luke 18, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will not enter it. Now, there are two ways that we can make sure we are taken care of. You can take care of yourself, or you can trust that God will take care of you. Now, both require the use of our gifts and talents, Both require working hard. Both require doing the best we can with what we have. The difference is that believing that you are taking care of yourself when you do those things will harden your heart. And believing that in all those things and in other things that God is taking care of you, well, that softens your heart. A key difference between little children and adults is most little children know that someone is looking out for them and most adults don't. Children represent the goal for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom, children represent the greatest, they represent the goal, but they also represent what is to be guarded. They represent what needs to be guarded. Going back to the passage one more time, verses 5 and 6. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Isn't that nice? It's amazing what we gloss over because Jesus said it. Um, Let me just read it again. Who, um, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone 
tied around their neck, and drowned in the depths of the sea. We don't always appreciate how graphic the Bible can be. Jesus could have just said, you know, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it's not going to go good for you. Or he could have just said, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, you know, you're going to be drowned in the sea. Jesus kind of sounds like a mafia boss here, right? Let me tell you what we're going to do. I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. Uh, you don't cause one of these little ones to stumble, and I won't put a millstone around your neck and throw you in the lake. How angry was Jesus when he said this? I don't know, but I can't imagine he said it in a calm, collective way. How angry was he? If anyone causes one of these little ones to stumble, one who believes in me, it would be better for them to have a large millstone put around their neck and tossed into the sea. Don't mess with faith. <laughs> it's pretty graphic. Jesus isn't kidding around here. Don't cause someone who believes in Jesus to stumble. The picture is a picture of harming a little child. Leave the children alone. Jesus places a high value on those who believe. Those who have become like little children and have humbled themselves and trust in him, don't mess with that. Faith needs to be protected. Faith needs to be nurtured. On Mother's Day, I talked a little bit about mama bears, okay? You want to see God go into mama bear mode? Mess with the childlike faith of someone who believes and see what happens. Matthew 13, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. God values his kingdom. And it takes childlike faith to enter it. It takes humility to be a part of it. Which is why we put so much effort into the faith of our children. It's why we have four staff members and over 100 volunteers and a preschool, daycare, after-school program. It's why we do sports camps for the entire month of June. It's why we put on vacation Bible school every year. It's why we have Sunday school and Wednesday night recharge. It's why we're breaking ground on a new building and having a ceremony about that today. Now, it's typical for those of us who've grown up in the church and have raised our families in the church to think that kids raised in the church are most likely to lose their faith after they leave home, like when they go to college or whatever they do after high school. That's when we're like, okay, we gotta make sure they don't lose their faith and this kind of stuff. Now, there's been a national survey done, um, a national longitudinal survey of youth done, and, that, and it, what they found out is that fear that our kids are most likely to lose faith when they leave our home and go to college, it's not true. The study defined religious kids as um, kids raised in a faith. And the study found that 5% of religious kids will walk away from faith in college or wherever they go after high school. What the study also found is twice that many will walk away from the faith before they reach the age of 17. 5% of religious kids walk away from the faith in their college years. 10%, twice as many, of religious kids walk away from faith before the age of 17. What does that mean? It means that kids lose their faith while they're still at home. The study found that to be true because 
religious faith practices became practiced less. Faith practices got replaced by secular practices. Now look, our society is as secular as it has ever been in my lifetime. Outside of churches and other houses of worship, faith is not talked about in our society. So if we want faith to be a part of our children's experience, there is only one place outside of the home that you're going to find that, and that is in communities of faith like TFRC. And when faith gets replaced by sports and dance and drama and other extracurricular activities, that's most likely when our kids will walk away from the faith. That's what the study found. Now, my kids played lots of sports. My girls danced competitively for a decade. My son was in Boy Scouts. I get it. Sometimes church loses out on those things. But those must be the exceptions to the rule. That cannot be the rule. Children's ministry, youth ministry, and worship must be priorities. If we want our, if we want faith to be a normal part of our kids' lives, then we need to make faith a normal part of our kids' lives. And I realize that families are busy and that sports and dance and drama and music and 4-H and all those things, they're important. But our kids will not be exposed to the faith anywhere else. Instilling faith in our kids is too important to take months off at a time away from church. Our children are twice as likely to walk away from faith when they are still at home than when they leave home. Because sometimes we just don't value faith enough. And I realize this is a little bit of a guilt trip. It's really not my style. But folks, it's the truth. If we want faith to be a normal part of our kids' lives, then we need to make faith a normal part of our kids' lives. Now, on the flip side, instilling faith in our kids, it's worth the sacrifice. There is nothing more fulfilling or more humbling than watching our children, whether it's our children, grandchildren, nieces, nephews, whatever, cling to and grow in their faith in Jesus. It's better than watching them succeed in sports. It's better than watching them succeed in drama or dance. It's better than watching them succeed in school. All of my kids play sports. Two of them have graduated from high school and now, you know, sports are done for them. Um, one of them will still meet with a particular former teammate, someone they play ball with. And when they get together, They'll talk a little sports in some of the good old days when they played, but that's not primarily what they talk about. They talk about life and faith. Why? Because it was a part of their lives when they were younger. And it will stick with them for the rest of their lives into all eternity. It doesn't get better than that. Children, they represent the humility of faith. Children, they represent that trust of faith. Children, they represent that treasure, that value of faith. What part of childlike faith do you need more of? The humility part? The trust part? Or that treasuring, valuing faith part? What part of childlike faith do you need more of?
Please pray with me. And Lord, we thank you for the example of Jesus who humbled himself and did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, to give his life as a ransom for us. And Lord, I would ask that you would give us those kinds of hearts, humble hearts, trusting hearts, hearts that value what you value. Lord, I would ask that you would give each and every one of us just a little bit more of a dose of childlike faith in you. And it's in the name of Jesus our Lord we pray. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.